Hi, my name is Sharon Betters, and you are listening to a Help and Hope resource produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. If you visit markinc.org, you'll find lots of stories like this one in our Help and Hope audio library. I am so excited to introduce to you a woman who is going to share her story of raising a child with special needs. And so this conversation is part of our mini-series that offers help and hope to families who have children with disabilities. Sue New is mother to three sons, and today I'm asking her to reach back into the beginning of her journey with her son Joseph, who was born with Down syndrome. But the Down syndrome diagnosis was only the first diagnosis that turned the lives of Sue and her family upside down. I'm eager for you to hear Sue tell her story in her own words because her journey, though challenging, is filled with hope and peace. Sue, welcome. Thank you. I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your family. As you said, my husband, Gene, and I have three sons. The oldest is 25. The second one is 23, and our youngest, Joseph, is 21, and he is our son with special needs. When uh, your son, Joseph, was born, uh, your third son, and I, I remember when our third child was born, he was just about the easiest child in the world, I think, because I was relaxed and wasn't nervous as a new mother anymore, and I've heard other parents say that. But when Joseph was born, things were a lot different than the births of your other two sons. Can you tell us about that? Sure. The pregnancy was good, easier than the first two. And Joseph went full term, but a day or two after his due date, I could feel that he wasn't moving inside me. And eventually that day, I had an emergency C-section and we didn't know if he was going to make it. There had been a lack of oxygen. So it was a traumatic birth. Shortly after his birth, they took a picture of him and they let us see him, but they whisked him off to another hospital that had a neonatal intensive care unit, a NICU, um, because they could give him better care. How did you handle that separation? I, I think I shut down. I, I was in shock. Also, I was medicated, which added something to uh, my confusion and shock. Um, there was a student nurse who was assigned to get me to talk, and I did not want to talk to her. It was a scary time. When you had all those fears welling up inside of you, how did you process that? I mean, what, what helped you to you know, just to face those fears and to wait for word about your son? I think the first night that I was in the one hospital and Joseph was in the other hospital, our pastor came by and he gave me, gave me some music that included um, children's songs of Bible verses. And one of those was Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And when I heard those words from scripture to music, I, I sobbed. I, I realized God had this in control. He knew what was happening. He had made Joseph. 
And that really helped me to relax and not fear as much. Although, of course, I was nervous about how things would go. Oh, of course. And I, I love that something that really was just such a simple, thoughtful gift from your pastor had such a profound impact on you that these many years later, you remember that you remember that uh, how God used that song and those scriptures. Um, I often think about encouragement that we sometimes make it very complicated. It's hard. It's hard sometimes, but it's often very simple. And probably your pastor didn't even realize how profound that was for you, but the Lord used it in a beautiful way. When you were waiting for news about Joseph, when did you know that not only did your son have Down syndrome, but had also experienced brain damage before birth? It turned out that Joseph was in the NICU for 13 days, and each day they seemed to take a tube off him. And it became apparent that he was getting better and I got out of my hospital and so I could go visit him. On the day that I got to hold him for the first time, of course, I was thrilled. My mom and I were there together and then we went home. And then Jean visited Joseph after work and found out that Joseph had Down syndrome. So when he came home, I was excited because of having held Joe and Jean was sad because he had found out this information and had to share it with me. But as it turned out, we were so happy that he was alive that we focused on the Down syndrome less. I had not had uh, the testing beforehand because uh, it didn't matter. Uh, We were going to keep our baby. So it was a surprise, although I was almost 38 and Jean and I had talked about the possibility of having a child with Down syndrome. So the first time you were able to hold your new little baby and that he was surviving was an incredible gift. But then that same day, you find out that he has Down syndrome. Your husband tells you that he has Down syndrome. But then what other diagnosis did Joseph have? Well, during his stay at the hospital, they found out that he had had brain damage, but we didn't know what that would look like. And so we sort of had an idea of what the Down syndrome might look like. And so we um, concentrated on that. Then later on, uh, some of the results of the brain damage started to show up. Joe had had some seizures in the hospital, small, little, tiny seizures that I didn't even see. Um, But we thought they had gone away. But by the time he was one, he was seeing the neurologist because of more seizures. He was slow in learning things right after birth. He started feeding therapy because he was never interested in food and and had a hard time getting enough nutrition. But then as he got older, he he still he he doesn't talk and he doesn't walk. And at age three, he 
had a feeding tube so that we could give him enough nutrition and so he could take his seizure medications. Now he's in his 20s now, 21. And so what are some of the signs of that brain damage that still exists today? So he still is tube fed. He doesn't walk or talk. He he uses a wheelchair, but we try to get him to use various equipment so that he's using his muscles and we hope that he will walk with more motivation as he gets older. Our big problem is he has seizures every day. That is tiring to me because I think he's doing well, he's learning something, and then things get interrupted when he has these seizures. Um, he's on a special diet that uh, has improved his seizures, and he he gets he recovers from his seizures faster than he used to. He has fewer seizures, but he still has them every day. I can imagine that although you've lived with this for a long time, there has to be a level of stress for you not knowing when he's going to have a seizure and what impact it will have on him. Yes. He used to crawl and sometimes if he had a seizure, then he would hit his head. So we had to be careful about where he crawled. And in addition to that, he is sometimes very loud. So you can't do everything with him because he would be very disruptive. Well, Sue, how did other people help your family, uh, especially in the beginning, but then really throughout Joseph's life? Our church rallied around us when Joseph was first born. Um, they did the normal things of making meals for us, and they took care of our other kids when Joe was in the hospital. My family, it's been interesting. Different people are comfortable with some things, like feeding Joseph. Other people are more comfortable just watching him while we're out for a couple hours. My mother and mother-in-law, of course, visited us when he was born and helped out, and my aunt. And so along the way, different people have stepped up to do different things. How did your friends help normalize Joseph's birth? I remember coming home from the hospital while Joe was still there, and there was a balloon on our mailbox. And that small thing made me feel normal, that in spite of the shock of his being in the hospital and of having Down syndrome, it was still a joyous time and people could rejoice with us. And I just love that balloon. <laughs> Other ways, whenever anyone talks to Joe, um, even though he doesn't answer, that makes me feel like they know and appreciate him. Um, that helps normalize things, too. I think uh, you raise a really good point of Joe is a person. He is his own person, and he's beloved by his family, just like any other child would be beloved. And I think people have a hard time with uh, people with disabilities, especially when the disabilities are obvious in recognizing 
that uh, again, it's it might be hard to break the ice of approaching someone like Joe um, to talk to them, but the joy in the parents observing that other people care about their child just like they do, I think is, an, is enormous and immense and what a gift that we can give to one another. I also think that people want to help and they want to interact in a, a loving way, but often they just don't know how. And that's one of the reasons why we have this uh, series to offer help and hope, not just to the parents or the families who have children with disabilities, but to those who love them so that they can see and learn ways that they can offer their help and their love to their friends or their family members who have this um, different kind of a life than what they expected. And when I, I think about that with you, Sue, I think that's a perfect segue into my next question. And that is, what kinds of losses have you experienced throughout your life as you have cared for Joseph? In the beginning, we went to the Down syndrome, syndrome group in our town, and that was fun. We would have picnics and do other things together, and families interacted but as Joe got a little older and the other kids were running around, I I did feel a little left out or or sad because I saw these kids befriending each other and 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 Joe couldn't do that. And so we backed off from that group, not that they weren't nice and helpful and everything. It just was a little sad for me. Other times, I don't live with a lot of sadness regarding Joe. I know a friend of mine, every time she goes to a wedding, she feels sad because her daughter won't experience that. I I don't usually feel sad about things, but when Joe turned nine, my other boys, when they turn nine, their baseball team moved to a different field where the kids pitched. And when Joe was nine, he didn't, he didn't do that. And that, even now, I can feel that I was sad. That was some one more milestone that he was not going to reach. And, uh, but usually I'm, I'm okay. Just once in a while it, um, hits me. In addition, you know, there, there are certain activities that we can't do or, or we have to plan for. If we, if we want to go away, we need to plan far in advance so we can get a spot for him where he's going to stay or have somebody watch him or so where I think I'm always thinking and planning. You know, what's really so encouraging to me, Sue, is we've interviewed numerous parents with children with disabilities and there is such a peacefulness about each one. Their love for their child is overwhelming and they talk about the joy that God has brought into their lives through their children. I mean, I don't hear anyone whining or complaining about where they are. And I think that could be very encouraging to parents who are just starting out on this a similar pathway to know that it's hard 
but there is strength and there is joy and, and there is fortitude for the journey. You do what you have to do. You do what needs to be done and you're doing it for someone that you would give your life for. I, I appreciate that you have to really reach to <laughs> tell me things that are losses because you don't look at them that way. I, I do wonder how about your sons? The older boys probably have had to do more than they might have if, if the situation had been different. The fact that they're all boys gives them some, well, they can do some things that if we had had a daughter, maybe wouldn't have been appropriate. Also, they're older than Joseph, and so they're stronger. And as time went on and he became heavier, they were able to lift him when I couldn't. That was very helpful. Gene took Joseph to his opening day of baseball the other day. There's a special league where everybody has a buddy and everybody bats and everybody fields. And, and Jean went to opening day the other day with Joseph. And that was nice. Sue, you are Joseph's main caregiver. What advice can you give to dads on how they can intentionally engage in the care of their own child who has special needs? I think with any kids, moms really like it when dads do things with their kids. That maybe is even more apparent when you have a child with special needs. It just makes me appreciate my husband so much when he um, does things with Joe. I, I think I can be a little hard on myself if I'm not doing everything I think I should do with Joseph. And my husband can give a little perspective on that, point out what I am doing or, or that I'm doing just fine. I, I think um, the father giving praise to the mom, to his wife, is very helpful. Gene does a lot of manual stuff. I don't, I don't know what you call it, lifting or moving him. And that is very helpful. How about... Um what can a dad do to encourage the mom to take care of herself? If you think about when your children were newborns and how tired your wife was and how tired you were just stepping in and taking care of the child, whether he or she is a newborn or, or as Joseph is 21, uh, one time um, when Joseph was in the hospital, my husband um, uh, got a hotel room nearby for the, us for one night. Um, I can't tell you how nice that was and how special and allowed me to relax. And, well, I really appreciated him. And I think that was one small way of safeguarding our marriage, reminding each other that we're we're taking care of our children, but... We also need to um, safeguard our marriage. Jean also encourages me to go out with friends or um, I go to a chiropractor, things like that, to make sure things are as good as they can be. What are your days like with Joseph now? Joe is in his last semester of school. Uh, kids in his class get to go the school year of when they turn 21. So his bus comes at 6.30, 
we get up around 5.15 and he has two sets of medicines that he gets, make up his formula and divide it into four for, for the day. We get him dressed and make sure all of his daily needs are taken care of. And then he goes off to school and comes back around 3.30. But if uh, it's a weekend, we get up later, which is nice. And then um, then he has another feeding around 11 and then a feeding around 3.30 and then one in the evening. And in the evening, he also has more medicine. And so all of this is tube feeding. And um, uh, Joe, Joe can't take care of any of his daily needs without help, but he, he can bear weight uh, when we move him from his wheelchair. And that's helpful. We have to think about where we're going and when we'll be there. And if we need to take his food with us, we need to have extra clothes just in case. And then there are the fun things. And then some of the things we're trying to work on with him that can sometimes feel like I have a lot of juggling to do. One more thing in the air. You know, we, we try to get him to stand sometime during the day. He also stands at school we, um, I like to try to have him sit in place, practice that. We do have a home health aide who comes at three on weekdays and I help her to get him in his shower chair so the days can be full. And I, as I'm listening to you talk about all of the tasks that Joseph requires just to get through a day, how do you stay engaged with other people? Like, do you have a community that you interact with on a regular basis? I would think that you're exhausted and tired. So how do you push yourself to keep on connecting with other people? Well, since I get energy from being with other people, I do make that a priority. I have friends who've been friends for a long time. We try to get together. We try to talk. Um, we're in a fellowship group at church that meets a couple times a month, and, and Joseph can go with us. I have enjoyed uh, ladies' Bible study, and uh, sometimes Joseph can go to activities, and sometimes Gene will watch him or Joe will be at school. I think I've gotten to do a lot of things, partly because they they do give me energy. In addition, in addition, I go to a mom support group that meets on a Friday morning once a month, and that is wonderful. We usually have a little speaker, and then we talk and we laugh and we cry, and everybody there, although um, the children have different disabilities, everybody understands what's happening, what's, uh, that you're working hard, that it, that sometimes it's difficult. And we always try to end with something good, a win so that we leave there knowing that things are okay. <laughs> you know, there are still good things happening. You know, what you're describing, it just fits so well with, uh, I believe God made us for community that we need each other. And there's so many scriptures in the Bible, those one anothering passages to encourage one another, serve one another, pray for one another, help one another, 
And you're describing all of that through the activities that you intentionally are involved with. I love that you say you're energized by those activities, the relationships. You're, you're, you're energized by the relationships. And that would be, I, I think what I'm hearing you say, you would say to another parent is to find the time, to make the time so that you don't become isolated in your own world. And I also would imagine that there would be some parents listening who would say that you have no idea how hard it is, but see, you can say, but I do, I do have an idea. And community, connecting with other people is critical to your health and your perspective. I love what you said about the monthly meeting where you leave with a win, that there's where you're encouraged by the win. And I would think that for you and other parents with children with special needs, sometimes those wins might seem very tiny to others, but to you, they're huge and um, reason to celebrate. So I, I love hearing that. I also think though um, that Joseph is getting older and you and your husband are getting older. Do you ever wonder what will happen to Joseph? if you and your husband can no longer take care of him or when you die? Well, I was concerned about that when Joseph was still in the NICU at his birth. I We, we had visited Joe. We were sitting in the car, and I said to Gene, what happens when we die? And he said, let's get him out of the hospital first. And so, yes, <laughs> I have, have been concerned about it since the beginning. But uh, now, as as you mentioned, we are older and he's older and it seems important to have something lined up. We did apply to one place, but it wasn't exactly the right fit for them. And, and so he was turned down. I felt okay about that. I felt like, okay, then the Lord must have something else for Joe, sometimes I feel like like there's information out there that I'm not aware of. Sometimes people share information and I learn about things or, or a school shares or a hospital shares. But for future housing, I think there are not as many options as I would like. And sometimes I feel like I'm not aware of them, but I am part of a group that is advocating for more choices, hoping that we'll get something lined up for Joe. So it's obvious that you are a woman of faith. There's a piece in your story that I, I feel is a supernatural piece. How did your faith help equip you to love and care for Joseph? And how does your faith impact your life today? We or I locked into right away when Joseph was still in the NICU, that God still loved us. When the, when I asked the question, why us? My answer was, why not us? So right from the beginning, I knew that God was in control and there was a plan. But as time has gone on, uh, I, I feel like one of my purposes in life is to take care of my children and to take care of Joseph and to do that well. And so I really like Philippians 4, 4 through 8, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then the, the next verse is, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And so I get to do that. And I get to do that in all walks of my life. But with Joseph, I, I maybe have a better picture of that or a deeper, it has a deeper meaning. I don't know. But it's part of my job with him to do those things. So speak to the mother who is caring for a child that is always going to be dependent. Uh, it's likely that she's fearful, especially if she's just starting out in this in this journey. She probably feels alone. She doesn't know where to turn for help. Can you share one or two practical things that she can do today or soon to help alleviate those fears and find help? Uh, the first thing is is to pray. I've already talked about that. God knows your situation. He loves you and your child more than you could know. You can tell him you're scared or mad or sad, and you can ask him for help. And included with that, I would say, get into a church that will support you. Your church that you attend now will also have a learning process as it deals with your child. And maybe there are other churches in your area that have ministries that you can take advantage of. The second thing is to fill out the paperwork. I am overwhelmed by the amount of paper that I get. I have to fill out or I receive after an appointment. However, if I want help, if you want help from, from the government or from a school or from a church ministry, you want them to take care of your child in the best way possible. And that means they have to have information. And even if the paperwork is a pile of 18 pages of forms to fill out, I encourage you to fill it, fill them out because once it's done, then you you don't know how many things might open up to you just because they have the information that they need. And and you don't have to do it all at once, you know, a few questions a day and eventually whatever it is will get done. Uh, it has made a big difference in, in getting a little extra help for Joe. So I know that you have been very proactive in Joseph's life, looking ahead and doing intentional things so that you would have a place for Joseph even now that he's turning 21. Why don't you tell us about that? He turned 21. He'll finish school at the end of July, and he is lined up to attend a day program in September. It's a nine to three program, and it's with 
folks who are very similar to him. And we found out about it a long time ago and went for a tour when he was 15. And so we've been on their mailing list since then. They said it's a little early, but welcome. <laughs> and uh, so then we went to a fundraiser and I've, we've gone on a couple more tours actually with somebody from Joseph's class. And then as a part of the application process to go in the, in the fall, we had to go on another tour. And so they, they sort of know us and they knew that, that Joseph might be right for their program a long time ago. And I think that was helpful first in encouraging me that there were places for Joe and that I had done something proactively for his future. I'm also remembering that when Joseph turned 14, his school reminded me that there was gonna be a transition from being a minor to an adult at 18. And then um, at 21, he, he, uh, he has to have adult doctors now. And so there's this whole process of change of we had to apply for guardianship and things like that. And, and although it seems far away when they start talking to you about it, I encourage you to, um, to listen to what they say and to try to do each thing that they say so that when the time comes, you'll be ready. You have been listening to a conversation with Sue New and myself, Sharon Vetters. This is a resource that is designed to offer help and hope to hurting people that is produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. You can hear more stories like this when you visit us at markinc.org. I have no doubt that someone who is listening to our conversation has been encouraged by Sue's journey, by the peace that she has experienced throughout the past 21 years of raising her precious son, Joseph, who was born with Down syndrome and then experienced a brain injury during his birth. We're praying for you. We're praying that you will be encouraged to learn more about the faith that has sustained Sue and her husband and her family. And if you have questions, you can contact us at markinc.org. Just go to our website and there is a link there where you can send us an email Go to markinc.org where you will find many more resources that offer help and hope to the hurting. Thank you for listening.